Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I'm your host, Amanda G. Just trying some new voices, trying to spice up the intros a little bit. How y'all doing? Welcome to this lovely episode. Before we get started, as always, some announcements. All good. Always good. First announcement, gonna push the merch. We have some great merch. We have buttons and pins and some fabulous things. Check us out. It's on all our social media. Facebook, Instagram, Near and Queer to My Heart, Twitter, Queer to My Heart. We got pictures, videos. You can see folks wearing them. Decide if they're for you or not. So check that out. Last time we let you know that we're starting a Greetings from Queer Mountain storytelling show in Baton Rouge. Um, we had our first one uh, between the last episode and this one, and it went really well. Cedar Crest Bar was fabulous. We had a great show. We had great performers. So we're going to be looking to doing that again. So stay tuned for that uh we got some tour dates uh, i want to see you guys out and about if you're in baton rouge their pride is uh, the weekend of june 7th 8th and 9th june 7th uh will be at the southern queer magic show i'll be doing some stand-up we'll have some uh buttons and things out there as well so check that out uh june 29th uh han cowger from episode 29 han and i are going to be driving up to memphis for the memphis queer fest so we're super excited about that it's going to be a lot of fun uh, but right now Let's get to the excitement that you're here for, our newest episode featuring R.L. Holmes. R.L. Holmes is a storyteller. She's been on our New Orleans Greetings from Queer Mountain. She's I work with her. I get to see her all the time, and she's fantastic, and it was so great to get to know her in this different context. My favorite thing where I just get to ask all the questions. No, I'm the one asking the questions. I didn't say that at all, but maybe I should. Maybe I should start my interviews with that. I don't know. Uh, but right now, we're going to take you to the interview. So give it up for R.L. Holmes. Right at the beginning where you come in from town, it's crowded. There's floats everywhere. There's people everywhere lining these banks up with like their oh, homemade floating devices. Oh, that's why I don't go to Bayou <laughs> I don't like to be around crowds of people. It's, no, it was really <laughs> packed towards the beginning. But we went to the very backstage and it was gorgeous, and it wasn't crowded until like three or four, so it was worth it, and it was quiet. Full disclosure to everyone out there, we work together yeah. by day. <laughs> One of my jokes, I'm like, well, I work at a nonprofit, which means I make no money because the business I work for doesn't believe in money. <laughs> That's us. I know, because of that, there's always like side gigs and other things that you can find find to make money on, which is really fun. What's your side hustles right now? Um, Right now, I dog sit the most, I gotta say, which is usually combined with house sitting or caring for other, any other animals or special plants. So I have probably we spent in the last month uh, maybe a week in my house which is bad because I'm planning on moving out and I haven't packed and I haven't cleaned and it's just you know I come home and crash and then I go pack a bag for someone else's house. Moving's the worst it makes me just want to donate all my stuff and start over. Yeah. I'm like this would be easier. I've actually done that a couple times and I think it's a really nice purge. I think I've gone through four complete 
apartment sets of furniture that I've just gotten rid of and started from scratch on. Because I don't get attached to that stuff. Anything I have is mostly inherited from roommates that left town. <laughs> yeah, I got a 60-inch TV, um, a queen-size bed, uh, a dresser, a mirror, and maybe a coffee, some other bookshelf or something for like $300 Damn. when a roommate left. The I, TV alone. I would have just, yeah, she would have just taken the TV and I would have had no TV. Okay. That was the plan. Was I was like, well, there goes the TV. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're not from New Orleans, right? I know you've, how long mm-hmm. have you lived here? I think I've been here, I think this year it's going to be six or seven years. Damn. Maybe six years, I think six years in july actually okay where, where did you hail from is that what people say that is yeah no i think that's what people that's a really good question and it's a, an interesting one so i moved here from memphis and i moved to memphis from idaho having spent i think one summer living in seattle so mostly i'm from idaho i was born in washington raised in idaho went to school in idaho and moved to memphis because i had a friend from college that lived in memphis so i just moved down with her after we graduated where in idaho were you so there's a little town called caldwell outside of boise boise is the denver bronco or the i went straight to blue turf the yeah. denver broncos also have blue turf oh i was like denver's denver you're like that's not the same place no but boise denver State. did just legalize mushrooms so. i saw that uh, so maybe everyone's gonna be like i'm from denver where are we going with that i know i it's gonna be everything's gonna be in colorado and there's gonna be no economy anywhere else yeah keep it this that's rate. why you better claim it early you're like idaho is basically Colorado. it basically is they both have blue turf um so boise state university has blue turf football field. Oh, okay so in that pack 10 i don't know how football works but i'm pretty sure like in that area that's a big deal so a little town right outside of boise and i went to a liberal the only liberal arts school in idaho so if we came into boise to like go hookah because hookah was becoming a thing and we were 18 we didn't have fake ids it was already like okay well you go to that like elitist bullshit snobby school you must be really smart and kind of people were just kind of shitty about it but I also studied economics so like talking to like anyone was like okay we're gonna get up now and leave like yeah. the most boring person in the world to talk to so that was really fun I had a blast though so we had a ski team a professional you compete ski team. against other northwest ski teams it was just you guys winners every year right boys see Boise. Boise. I say Boise. That's that's wrong. That's because you're not from there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm from Los Angeles, and we just say things the Boise. way we decide to say things. That's how it's spelled. I don't know. I never heard it said that way. It's I don't know. It's apparently a very big point of contention there, like how you would pronounce Chapatulas here or Calliope or even New Orleans. Yeah. Like if someone's like, "Hey, I'm in Nolens," I'm like, "You're not from here." Yep. I got that right away. So Same. if I came in, I'm like, "Oh, I'm in Boise," they'd be like, "You're not from here." Exactly. Dead giveaway. Not yeah, that it really matters. Our people are super nice, so get the same treatment either way. We'll still tell you the best hiking and like camping trails if you want. So. Oh yeah, you just send people out in the mountains. Yeah, like this is the best hiking trails. Just keep walking. <laughs> that's what we do. Just keep it. going. I know it's gonna get dark and you're not gonna see the path. Just keep on going. Trust it. Trust it. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna circle back around. You're gonna get somewhere. And maybe so, you'll make it out alive. Or... Actually, that's one of the best things about Idaho that I really do miss and I took for granted when I grew up there because you grew up with, there's, I mean, in New Orleans, there's always something to do. And I love it so much here because you can be whoever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. And that's why I'm here. But I grew up in like the exact opposite of that. It was very religious, very conservative, bunch of people who like being outdoors. But I mean, it took 45 minutes to get to the middle of nowhere. And I think still about 80% of the land in Idaho is BLM land. So it's public land. What's there's BLM? Bureau of Land Management. Okay. It's the state owns the land. We all own the land so we can all use it. Besides Alaska and Montana, I think no other state has such a high percentage of land that's public and not privately owned. And the further east I keep moving, the more that's like a blatant like, wow, like that was a privilege that I had to be out like next to nature so easily. And I miss it. So we'll see. In my future, there might be like a cabin involved somewhere in the mountains. I can like cut and cord my own wood, you know, 
like official lesbian. I'll have like a lumberjack. <laughs> what do you prefer? Because for me, the idea of living in the middle of nowhere, first of all, bugs are not, a th- I don't nah. like bugs. I don't like camping. The worst here. I'm not going to kill anything on my own. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Yeah. And the idea of being out in the middle of nowhere, like for a night or two sounds okay. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'll just get a couple bottles of wine and maybe barbecue and relax. And then after that, I feel like I couldn't, I'm a city person. Like I need to talk to people. I need social interaction. Services. I, yeah. I think I would just get bored. Board. but some people yeah. find such like are you both like you can do both like oh, yeah. city country definitely both i think i can get sick of both too it's just a you know how you structure your life i feel like a lot of what we like about living wherever we are is the people that we surround ourselves with so i like the mountains i like being out there i don't like a lot of the shitty bullshit like very conservative or like traditional values that a lot of people have out there and i just don't agree with them so i didn't want to be around that but i do like being in the mountains so if I have people that I like, I can bring them up to the mountains with me. Fun. Good enough. You know, like that's yeah, right. good neighbors. So when the tourists come, we're going to send them out into the woods <laughs> and you're going to kidnap friends and, and bring them. Right. Uh, bring that's what we're planning. <laughs> <laughs> were you raised in a religious family? Like, What was the family uh, size, setup, uh, religion? Just some background info. Yeah, absolutely. So five person family. We had a nuclear family until I was like 11 or 12. And my parents got divorced. So I had a stay at home mom who worked, you know, I think my father and my mom were both working when they got together, which makes sense because it was in their like mid 20s at some time. They had their first kid. They got married and had their first kid in Washington. My older sister, my dad was 28. My mom was 27. Had me when he turned 30. So when I turned 30 and he turned 60 a couple years ago, it was kind of like a Fun. He was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize. I'm like, exactly double your age right now. I'm like, I know. I would have had a kid if I was you right now. That's insane. I can't even imagine. Kids. Yeah. So I'm a middle child, which is more obvious the longer you talk to me. I have no doubt. And I have a little brother. My dad's family, his side of the family. So my mom quit working to raise kids. And then when we started getting older, she wanted to go back to work. She wanted to go back to school. She wanted to finish her bachelor's degree, get her master's degree. And that started becoming a point of contention because my father is very traditional and did not support mm. that at all and didn't want her working and didn't trust her to work outside of the home through like no, she did nothing to contribute to that it's just that's not how we saw his family being but also there was a lot of transformation just in my childhood in religion in our household so we to this day have very strong opinions about politics and about religion because none of us can agree my dad's whole side of the family is catholic he was raised catholic we were all born and christened was it called baptized, Bapt- all baptized like, which one is i don't it? even know it's so great baptized confirmed christened none of us got to confirm confirmation okay because that's when you're older mm-hmm. okay which i think now they're doing that you later can still get too. confirmed <laughs> they're not gonna let me i'm a baby killer to them that's not happening no i think the confirmation age then was seven or something anyway by the time we were all toddlers my dad broke with the church and was like i don't like all this pomp and circumstance and I can only talk to God when I'm here and I have to talk to an intermediary in order to talk to God or like clear my, like this is this incense and these offerings, like this isn't about God, this is about the church, which I really respect him for. He did that like in his mid thirties with a family and said like, I know my whole family does this, fuck it, I'm not going to do it anymore. I feel like we tried a lot of different religions in the interim, but anything that he found off-putting or wasn't wasn't quite the right fit we you know we'd switch i don't think it happened as often as i feel it kind of did because i was a kid but i think there are at least two or one or two maybe three different denominations that we tried after he left our whole family left the catholic faith so we've all got really strong feelings about religion and right around the time that you start questioning your religion you're coming out of that for me anyway like 11 9 10 11 you're coming out of that like 
blind faith and I can do this and start to really challenge what you've been taught, mm-hmm. that's when our parents got divorced. So then we oh. no longer had to go to church and it was like, well, I can actually take some time to think about this. So everyone has, my little brother's an atheist, my older sister is just like, maybe something there, maybe not, or maybe like, it's just the universe and it's full of love. And I, I'm somewhere in the middle there. I don't quite know. So it's a really big point of contention in our family. That's something that people feel strongly about and they feel mm. they're right. And it's yeah. like, the thing is, none of us know. Mm. Everyone in my family kind of has, I think my dad's pretty much an atheist at this point. My brother and I, I feel like we're like, eh, maybe there's something out there, but who cares? Like, we're just going to live our lives. Right. And if there's something there, great. Um, we're living our lives as good people. And if if there's not something there, then we still live our lives as good people. Yeah. And if there is something there and they're like, you had to be Catholic and do the incense and the whatever, then we're already fucked anyway. So, right. so we're not, not, not <laughs> Yeah. No, I think that's one of the hardest things. My father is still deeply concerned about all of our souls because he loves us. And my brother is deeply concerned about my father's life and soul because he loves him. So they come at it from the exact like opposite angles but with the same approach of like I have to save you my brother wants to save my dad from religion and my dad wants to save my brother from eternal damnation so it's funny because it's the same it's the same goal it's good I mean your dad's gonna live a long life because Mm. those kind of goals keep people alive I do yes He's very happy and I keep him happy too. I'm pretty sure my grandmother stayed alive out of spite (laughs) because my grandfather had left her 60 years before that and she wanted to outlive him, which she did. Wow. I really thought she was going to go dance on his grave. I had this vision of her like in her walker, like walking up and like doing a little jitterbug or whatever dances she does on on his grave, but that didn't quite happen. But yeah, my grandma was, she loved, she loved all this. She was at a nursing home, but she loved the shit talking and the card playing and she liked to watch baseball for some, like even when I was a child like this wasn't like as she got older she's like oh here's something to put on TV like she loved baseball and I love baseball but you can't talk about that because a lot of people don't like baseball is that a real angry like point I feel like they're just like it's so boring and I'm like but it's not to me I don't know I feel like it's kind of the same ballpark as like you can test the water on golf. Do you watch golf? Okay, cool. Like, it's, you either do when you like it or you don't get yeah. shit about it. Oh, it's boring. I'll fight, you know, it's like, but it's not boring to the person that likes it. Yeah, yeah. I do think golf is boring and that makes me a bad it lesbian. It's really but... boring. No, it's really boring. And it's like they can't even speed it up. No. There's no, like, uncalling of the timeouts. It's just taking this long to hit yeah. a freaking ball. And then they got to get from one tee to the other. And even when they're, like, filming multiple people at different tees, it's just... I can't get on board with it. It's just really slow walking. No. But I would wear a golf outfit. I would wear a nice polo and a visor. I think I could... Yeah, you could I could that. pull that off. Yeah. That's a really good uniform. So who'd you live oh. with? Your parents broke up. Did your dad stay in town? My dad stayed in that town. We moved... My oh. mother actually remarried, so... How soon? Oh, man. I, like... I think a year later? I don't... I'm not really sure. She had a really... <laughs> <laughs> Interim, I mean, after you've been married for 17 years, I don't, you're divorcing the sole breadwinner of the household. I can't even imagine how terrifying that was for her, but she did it, which is amazing. And that was better for her and better for us, better for everybody. Yeah. All the way around. Were they just fighting a lot? They had some fundamental differences, I think, that were not reconcilable and never would be. I think they're completely opposite personalities, and I have no idea why they had children together. I'm glad. Like, I'm glad I have siblings. Yeah, it's the opposites attract thing. When you're young, and it's fresh, and it's hot, and here's this person that has opinions. Yeah. That's the thing. A lot of people, they're not passionate about anything. So when someone's, like, passionate about something, even if it's the opposite, you're like, oh, that passion is fire, and that fire is hot. Right. And then after 17 years, you might be like, fuck that passion. And I don't want to fight this passion. 
passion because yeah. it's not the same as my passion. And I know that like him being this traditional was definitely a problem at that point because she wanted to work too. So, but I mean, just as way of example for like my mom's like, I think somewhere in the spectrum of like, I believe in ghosts and the other side. And my dad's like a fundamental evangelical Christian, which is not the way he would describe himself. But that, I mean, his, his line is, do you take Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And that's it. Like that's his, that's the limit. Is that how he greets people? That's... <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's what he thinks is important about religion so he asked you that like when you talked to him or has he dropped it with you or oh we talked about that for most of our childhoods like that okay. was a very open like thing we're all working towards actively is making sure that we believe that and that we accept jesus and i'm just not a big jesus person now and that's because i you know i went i got educated i went to school i took a course on new testament and who wrote it and over what time period it was possibly written and the number of different people that could have possibly been being described as Jesus during this time and the political activities happening. And I went, oh, okay, so this is probably like just like a bunch of different shit that they took from this culture and just put it in here like a hundred years later. And then some council after that edited it down. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not, I just, this, this entire religion based around men too is not really appealing to me personally. So Yeah, that's the, the Catholic thing that, there's a, a few Catholic things that get me, but part, mm. but part of the like, absolutely no women can do x y and z mm. i'm not about even i'm jewish and i once went to like a very religious jewish ceremony yeah. and the men got to go on one side where the rabbi was and then we were there's actually a sheet like across yeah. the room with a curtain and the women were on the other side and we could hear them and not see them and i didn't like that no i don't think i could handle that i was Good like this is not what you know so it's like any really i'm not like trying to say like, oh catholics whatever anything like that yeah. makes me super uncomfortable yeah but i was raised in like a more we actually call it conservative Judaism but it's the middle of the road you have reform Judaism right. which is like super liberal Whatever. then the conservatives like in the middle then you get more like orthodox you know religious so conservative was very um like you could have female rabbis and boys and girls got bar and bat mitzvahs and no one was treated any differently so we had a lot of that i don't want i, I always thought conservative that's how conservative meant to me until wow. i like got older and i'm not conservative but like, i was like, a conservative jew yeah and i remember we like used to diss the reform people because they were too loose with the rules <laughs> it's always this thing where it's yeah. like you can't you can't win with it <laughs> no there's there's always been people on opposite ends but when you yeah, when you grow up with like this uh, at least gender inclusiveness in the religion, then when you see other religions yeah. where it's like, oh, you could never be a priest. There's, you know, a lot of folks I talked to on the podcast were like, oh, I thought about being, uh, you know, a priest. And they're like, you can't. You're a woman. You could be a nun. You can go marry Jesus. And it's like... That's nice. No fucking way. That's disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. Is certain yeah. Point. And then they're like, now I'm not Catholic anymore. Like, <laughs> And you know what sucks is like the, the the central tenets of a lot of religion. I studied Islam for a little while too. And I was really impressed with like the five pillars and like the idea of zakat and personally contributing to your community through charity and not make, you know, this is not a Red Cross donation. This is like, you know, a family and you're going to make sure you find a job for the head of household of that family. And you're going to make sure that the kids go to the same school as your kids. It's a very like, I, I, I just love the concept of a lot of religious practices, which are about building your community loving each other not judging other people and if you're in a christian-based religion it's about like how jesus was in his life and i'm like that's really the message here the rest of the shit is bullshit i'm glad it helps it helps a lot of people mm -hmm. i don't want to shit all over their religion like if you need that that's good i just would rather focus on like the part the message was like don't be mean to others and we're yeah. all equal and i'll wash a prostitute's feet and that's this is a, there's no reason why she deserves less respect than i do that gets lost in like the translation of where we're waiting for the fucking Pope to be okay with gay people. This Pope is the warmest to gay people than any other Pope has ever been. Yay. And I'm like, yeah. but people, that's news, news article on news article on news article about that, you know? And it's just 
like, he's the conduit for the word of God. That's really the belief. Yeah. He's really the conduit for the word of God. And I have a really hard time talking. I don't want to offend all mm-hmm. my Catholic relatives, not that they'd ever listen to this, <laughs> but that's nuts. You really believe that that's the blood of Christ? I'm sorry. I have like a really hard time with the literal interpretation of what people are doing symbolically. And a lot of people don't take it symbolically. They think it's the literal thing that they're doing. Yeah, they're taking it. The, terrifying. Yeah. So you still talk to your dad? Yeah. Okay. You have a really good relationship. Do you still talk about religion? Like- we uh, sometimes have arguments when um, Oberfell came out, when the Hodges versus Oberfell came out, which is about restricting a type of uh, health care you could provide to people if you're a religious organization or if you're a religious employer. If you just practice a religion and you employ people, somehow you get to oppress them by inflicting your religion on what benefits they can have, which is not okay with me. It's My... like primarily if you are in a same-sex relationship, right. um, then they can deny your partner mm-hmm. or if you uh, want access health care, even though, yeah. They, yeah, they can basically make those They can say you're decisions. not a family, even though legally you're a family. You're not going to be a family under our plan. There's a lot of bullshit that, that isn't totally unacceptable from that. Uh, and we didn't talk for two weeks after we had a very heated argument about it. So there's definitely areas that we try to back off of. <laughs> but it's still important that we talk about it. I One thing I really respect about him is that I was very mad at him for a very long time about where he raised us, how he raised us, what he taught us to believe in. But at the same time, like I think he's a very good person who did a lot of the things that he was saying we should do as humans. Like, he really gave to charity. He works really hard. He's really devoted to his work. And I think I learned that. For, I hope I learned that from him. <laughs> and I really respect those things. And one of the things about hard work is he he works hard in his personal relationships, too. He's put a lot of effort in to talk to me on my level, which I know is difficult for him because he doesn't believe in gay. He doesn't believe in abortion. So one of my, I think, best bonding moments with him, I was 19. I was coming out of my second or my first year of college. I worked with a boyfriend for the summer and we stayed at this place in Yellowstone National Park where we're working like at the lodge. I got pregnant. So we left pretty damn quickly. I'm very lucky to have been impregnated by a trust fund baby. That was a very, <laughs> very uh, nice benefit because we could afford and had the privilege of going to get the abortion that we wanted. Where yeah, we wanted and you were in a place price. where you were able to do that. Yeah, and it was safe. And that's, that's not everyone has access to that. So I was really lucky in all that. But I decided... My dad needs, to, not before, obviously, but after this all happened, after I got the abortion, I, it was really important to me that he knew that. I really wanted to know that I could tell him that and that he would still love me. I don't know why that was such a big deal. He could have never known that. I, I feel like I want to say that that was very brave of you. And I don't mean because I feel like the word brave has uh, lost the, the significance that I assigned to it. But right. I do think that's very brave because you did have a choice. You could have never said anything, but you knew that's important because of his beliefs, because of your relationship yeah. with him. So And that he needs to know that, that that's important. That's an important part of something that I'm passionate about to this day is women's rights and their bodily autonomy. Like, so I'm going to make the choices I'm going to make. I also came out to him when I was 19. I told him I was bisexual because I was the president of the Gay Straight Campus Alliance. And he just didn't understand why I'd be affiliated with these people. And I was like, well, I'm bisexual. So first of all, <laughs> I'm these, these people. people. Guess what? Um, <laughs> Under your roof. But also this is a civil rights issue and it always will be. And that's. Yeah. And you're like, regardless of how I identify, mm-hmm. I do believe in this. And I'm, I, I think I even told him then, like this root that I have in equality and treating people right comes from your religion that you taught me so that value is so deeply instilled in me that i want to fight for this any way i can so you should be proud of that even if you disagree with how i'm doing it and how were those so you had two very serious conversations with Mm. him one where you came out to him and one where you you know told him about the abortion like how did those conversations go it hard for i mean it sounds like you have a good relationship now so whatever happened oh yeah uh, spoiler alert it's been patched up (laughs) (laughs) right it has but it's definitely it's also been you know 10 years since some of those conversations more than 10 years. So the abortion one was amazing, mostly because he just, I, it's like he just completely 
Like he just asked me questions. I had no like anger. There was no, there wasn't even a change in like his demeanor. He just sat there and he was like, okay. Like I, I feel like he wanted to make sure I was safe. I was okay. I was taken care of, that I was healthy, which was amazing to hear when you're like, I thought you'd just be mad. Yeah. Cause he was able to put aside any beliefs or whatever he's thinking and say like, this is my daughter. Yeah. Which that's was beautiful. That's exactly what I was. And not everyone gets that either. And not mm. everyone get that, gets that either when they come out to their parents. So the abortion conversation happened on the front porch at night of his house. And the bisexual conversation happened uh, in his backyard in the middle of the day when we were gardening. So and were these around the same time? Yeah, they're, I think, both at age 19. So okay. that, was a, that was a big year for me. <laughs> but I don't really feel like it was a big coming out thing. I was like, this is just kind of always the way it's been. And I need to know that you know this. That's it. He doesn't want to really hear about anything about being gay. And I'm I'm trying now to kind of get in a place where we talk about it again, because it can't be like religion where we just at some point have to have a draw. Like yeah. We can read as much as we want to and send back and forth articles and books. But at some point, it's just you believe this. I believe this. It can't come to that with this because I still want to have a relationship with him. So I'm just trying to like prep him. I'm just trying to... You know, dad, if I bring someone home and they're not male, what's going to happen here? One thing I find great about like your interactions with your dad, and this is something I've talked about on other episodes, is I feel like we're so divisive in this country where we're just like, okay, you believe this, I believe this, fuck you, I'm going to block you, I'm going to cut you out of my life, I'm only going to associate with people that have the same beliefs right. as me and not have these hard conversations. Because like you said, you could have never had these conversations, yeah. you know? But the part of that's just like, a, I'm incapable of lying. So like, I just <laughs> want to be like my open and true self my whole life. And that's always been me. And how was this with your, did you tell your mom? Yeah. Same, okay. Mom's super psyched. She's like, yay, good, so supportive. And she's, yeah, mom's always been really supportive, and told which her, is great. Did she know before or after dad or? I don't really recall, actually. There was a lot of shit going on in life at that time. I think that she knew when I was younger. Oh, no, wait, I did. I came out to her when I was like 14. So she knew for a long time, but I, don't, I really don't feel like it was like a not an open secret. So she actually caught me watching porn, which was <laughs> so embarrassing. Did you have a computer in the living room? Oh, no, oh. we had the computer in like a bedroom at that time because we had just moved to a different town and it just had this little side bedroom where the computer was. But like, you know, she went out shopping. I'm like, I have at least an hour to myself. Shut this door. Nope. <laughs> Shit. She came back in. Do you, do you need eggs? <laughs> yeah, no. Actually, I feel like it was an out for the whole conversation because I'm watching like BDSM and I'm 14 years old. So she's like, "Are you okay? Like, what? Why? Why?" That? And I'm like, "Mom, I think I'm gay." And she just that I know that she didn't mean to, but she started crying immediately. I'm never gonna have any grandchildren, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, so this is about you." But I'm, I'm not mad. <laughs> in retrospect, I'm not mad about it. But I that's kind of a crushing blow to hear from your kid. Well, like maybe that's fine for other people's kids, but my kids aren't like that, and they're not gonna have a hard life. And we've talked about it since. And I really think that her concerns comes from I don't want you to have a hard life, but I love you and I support you, and I'm so happy for you and I'm so proud. And yeah. I, I think too, a lot of parents have a vision for their like she might have yeah. imagined you were going to grow up and have kids and this yeah. uh, nuclear family and this situation and in her mind that all just like went away mm -hmm. like this and yeah. it doesn't have to you know no it the doesn't. family might look a little different than it does if that's a thing you even want right you know? i mean yeah you might not want like that's but i think that's part of it and yeah. then part of it is the genuine safety and concern yeah. and just like hey this is going to be a different path i can kind of conceptualize it in the exact same way like if you think someone's happiness is now not going to be there because your idea of how they're going to be happy is isn't going to happen i think it's gotta be tough i was really hard on my parents <laughs> like besides these two great bombshells because i told her too after the fact about the abortion so what happened with the trust fund guy he broke up a couple months later and he started dating one of my friends i was very angry at him uh, and her but it happens he was really wonderful like his first go-to was like he's from like the midwest he's like well let's you know we can get married and i was like no that's not <laughs> gonna happen like i just want to not have a baby anymore so let's go do that and he was very supportive he's like we'll do whatever you want to do 
That's great too. I'm sure he did not want to have a child also. I already have my mind made up. I'm like, I'm 19. I haven't finished college yet. What's this life going to be like for me? And I don't want to physically, to this day, I don't want to physically have a child. So there's a way we can avoid that happening in the first place. That'd be better, obviously, but. Yeah, but you could have an 11 or 12 year old right now. What a nightmare. I, I, I'm sure I wouldn't have gone to law school. I wouldn't gotten a degree in economics. I can almost guarantee you I wouldn't have worked at a mutual fund company. Like, there's so many things I would have missed. Yeah, and you would, probably wouldn't be in New Orleans. No. Not a, I, mean, I mean, you'd probably be in Idaho. Really strange that I live here now. Yeah. Or Oklahoma. He's from Oklahoma. Which sounds maybe worse. Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe Idaho. <laughs> so yeah. you graduate college, mm-hmm. economics degree. Your friend's like, I'm going to Memphis. And you're like, Let's do it. Yeah. She's from Memphis. Okay. So we lived together like the last year of college and it was just like, well, this is the plan. So I took a brief detour with a friend. We went all over Montana in her trailer with her nine-year-old son, which was actually, she was a good friend. It was a really fun thing to do. So I got to be in the mountains like one last time before I moved down to Memphis. And then I had to start getting used to heat. It's a totally different game here than it is in Memphis even. Like I thought Memphis was warm and humid. This is like New Orleans every year takes a lot of getting used to for me. So... Yeah, did you ever see the movie Hustle and Flow? Yes. That movie, I think, does the best job of showing how hot, how that humidity oh and the mugginess and the, the sweatiness, like how that is. Like that movie, I've never seen a movie do a better job of like yeah. real life depiction of you walk outside and this is what it is. Mm-hmm. They're having like a towel on you at all times and just always having a sweat stain. The opening the freezer and just sticking your head in mm-hmm. it. I'm like, yeah, that... <laughs> or that actually their characters are like covered in sweat, yeah. which... You know, shows clean that up and they look like they're in AC. I'm like, no, it's really hot there, guys. (laughs) Also, it's a really hard place to be. Like, I'm glad that I lived there first because Memphis is hard in a way that I'd never lived in before from the Pacific Northwest. Like, there's a lot that I missed out on. But how'd you like Memphis? I liked Memphis a lot. It was a really fun place for me to be. I think I was 21 and Beale Street is that street they block off that, you know, you can drink on and all all the bars and these clubs are all on. So I think I spent probably two or three years just like partying my ass off there because you know i'm from idaho we don't have clubs we don't have like places you can go dancing or different types of music you can go dancing to or like gay clubs like none of that exists so yeah i had a really fun time exploring that for two years when then it got boring so i can't remember if it was in nashville or memphis but there was this one lesbian bar that's like my favorite lesbian bar ever it was like in a pink building maybe that's nashville <laughs> i think it's nashville i don't know because senses is like this dark is it thing. on beale street no okay i was like i don't remember I have... seeing a gay bar on beale street Mm-mm. i didn't remember seeing a bunch of new orleans bars and I'm like, oh, I left New Orleans to go to New Orleans. That's weird. <laughs> I don't think I'd go into those bars. No, I did, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I miss it. Like, they probably have the better alcohol. It's either that or the wrestling-themed bar that we went into. What? One of the wrestling guys has a, a bar, and it's like just pictures of him all over the place. And I think he lives there. Or... I'll look into it. Jerry Ziegler? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Don't, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> so anything sports-related, I'm like, no, I'm a loss. The memory's fantastic. It's a great feature. No, I understand. <laughs> I'm so bad at remembering any. I'm I'm bad at faces. I realized. So I don't know how you keep shit straight. Like I don't. Your job is a lot I just of fake it till I make it. I just feel bad all the time because someone will be like, "Hey, Amanda," and I'll I'll get it though. That's the thing. Like if you give me five minutes, mm-hmm. if we've actually met, if I've actually met you before, we'll get it. If you're someone who's seen me perform, I don't know you, right? But you'll sure think I know you. Which is a different thing. Yeah. You're like a beautiful level of famous now. You're like, I know, I just don't know you. Yeah, I don't know her. <laughs> My favorite Mariah Carey. Did you? No. There's this interview where they asked her about J-Lo. Well, what do you think about J-Lo? And she was like, I don't know her. I can see why you like Mariah Carey. It's quite an attitude. I, well, what I, I like about her is she is who she is. 
no apologies, no fucks given. And that's what you want life to be. You just want to like live your life and be who you are and be able to tell your dad what you want to tell him and not be scared of. Yeah. And especially with like the layer of identifying in any way that's not straight whatsoever. Mm. It's hard to let go of what other people want you to be or or think of you or know about you and just be. Can you give me an example of her? When I think of Mariah Carey, I think like she was doing things in fashion that like no one else was doing and not with her body type. And that was like not, it was like a hidden body type for yeah. a long time. I, mean, I can give like, you, no. I was like, I can give you a million examples. Okay. <laughs> she has a lot of things, but like basically she started out like just straight up pop. And then mm. she wanted to do like, she started mixing hip hop. Like when she did Honey and some, you know, of the mm. other songs around that time, Breakdown, like she worked with Bone Thugs and Harmony. Like she started working with Snoop Dogg. All these people were like, don't do it. And she's like, this is the music I'm interested in this is what i want to do i'm gonna fucking do it and number one you're like so it worked out <laughs> yeah. and she's a genius so it's that kind of stuff where people are like you can't do this and she's like i can okay. and i will yeah and whatever she wants if she wants to go to disney world for her birthday she'll go and she doesn't care she knows everyone's gonna judge her and she doesn't care <laughs> that's a nice attitude definitely admirable how long were you in memphis i think four years Four years yeah. working? Mm-hmm. Working. I worked for a retirement company. I was in their call center as a Series 6 uh, registered representative for about two and a half years. And then they made me an account manager. And as soon as I started like getting promoted, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like this, <laughs> The company was great. And I'm so glad for the things I learned with them. But I was like, this. the further deeper I go into this more, I'm like, I don't think this is what I want to be doing. I was like, none of those words you said about your job are anything that makes sense to me. So there it's, but it, it's on some level, especially like with an economics background, it's really nice to be a female in that profession for that reason it's a little intimidating to some people so you kind of get rid of people who are assholes about like women having any power you don't have to deal with them because if they don't don't think you should be saying those words they're not gonna talk to you perfect like that's it's just a screener device no i just i i think uh i got more interested in like the regulations and how like in 2009 they passed a lot of legislation to make uh to regulate how people disclose fees on their retirement accounts so because that was after the bubble like yeah. fucking burst and a lot of people lost a lot of money there was genuine fear that we were gonna hit another great depression again yeah. i know because i graduated school in 2008 and i was like motherfucker yeah, and that's the worst time to yeah. enter the job market yeah. great that's yeah that's also <laughs> happened to me so that's you know what's so funny about that too there's a stark line there are people right before the bubble burst who started getting corporate jobs they're all fine they all have like a great career trajectory they didn't it's like if you were already in-house somewhere at a good firm no matter what you were doing you're career would be fine but like anyone who came out like right in between yeah that it was, was like 08 to like 2010 i'd say it was yeah. like Ugh. we all graduated to nothing and we're like well i guess i like i worked at a gas station it's the first job i had after i graduated from college and i was like this is not a good this is i turned 25 and i freaked out and i'm like this isn't what i want to be doing and i'm going to keep doing this forever if i stay with this company and it's a great company and that's not a terrible thing i just don't want to do it i started working more with their legal department i started doing more technical writing and i applied to law school what made you say like law school was that a thing you wanted no ever that was never on the met like i that like when I you never... were nine and they're like what do you want to be when you grow up and you were like a lawyer and you kind of put it aside and came back to it no that was my sister i wanted to be like a poet i used to like draw and i wanted to, that that's what i wanted to do and so there's definitely a huge side of me here that that's why i'm happy i'm in new orleans because i get to see other people doing that but also it's like kind of a little bit of freedom that you, i don't know maybe i can do that again no matter what your day job is you can still do what you want to do here so yeah that's one thing i always say about our our job i mean i've been at our company for 11 almost 11 years wow. now and one of the reasons i would never leave is that i do comedy and do these shows and i'm uh, very out and open and queer and our boss loves it yeah <laughs> like she is so like oh when's your next comedy show like i we uh, i did a performance at one of our conferences like right. that's uh, i'm job. not gonna get that support in other places yeah. i might make more money which might be nice but um i wouldn't have the flexibility of mm-hmm. like the time off i can take to go travel and do shows and the support that i get for doing that i feel like a lot 
lot of, especially in legal stuff, like mm. they want your private life also needs to be presented in yeah. a way that uh, conforms with the firm. Mm-hmm. And no, their, and their values. You'd be a hundred percent get pushed out of that because it's not serious, you know. Yeah. It's not serious enough for that type of environment. But I'm I can sure. go. I when I'm at my job, I do my job. When yeah. I leave my job, I leave my job. Yeah. And I think a work life balance is really important. I think mine's very extreme uh, for what the average person. You know, <laughs> yeah. some people just take up knitting or a book club or whatever. Like I have like eight um, <laughs> other jobs and I do them really well and it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Girl, I don't know. You know when you sleep. I don't. No. <laughs> I mean, I make time for that too. I'm just very like, I'm very like, okay, nine to five, this is what I do. From five to 7.30, this is what I do. From 7.30 to 11, I do comedy. Then I come home and go to sleep. Like, it's just very, you know. Yeah, you got to schedule. Yeah. You got to kind of plan it out and you got to make time for yourself. You got to make time for your relationships. Mm -hmm. You got to make time for your family. You know, you can still fit it all in. It's just a lot of people get overwhelmed. They're like, I'm not going to do any of it. And I would rather go out and, and try things. Yeah. Well, what got you? I mean, you've, you've told a few stories at Greetings yeah. from Queer Mountain. What made you say, like, I want to be a storyteller? Because also with storytelling, I think it's very personal. Mm-hmm. You know, you were sharing, you're not just like, like stand up, you can you, you can just talk about new stories. Mm-hmm. But like storytelling is you're telling a story about your life um, or something that affected your life. Yeah. And I think that's a much more difficult thing to do. And what made you want to do it? And then what? gave you the courage to actually do it. If I didn't know you, there's no way I'd ever be up on a stage doing any of that, actually. So that's probably most of it. No, man, I have a lot of feelings. And I really think that's an amazing, that it's very cathartic to do. For me, I thought that part of presentation skills actually would be improved, that if I went on stage and knew how to handle a crowd and how to talk to them, that that would help with other things in my career. But truly and honestly, like I, I don't think I found a lot of queer spaces where I feel like I fit in really well. And I really like the atmosphere of Queer Mountain. Everyone that talks, I love that we can all talk afterwards. I just, it's it's like a really supportive space. And I don't think I've gotten a lot of those. So when I was the uh, co, I created a, I changed our constitution in college. I, I created a co-presidency for the Gay Straight Campus Alliance because we used to have GSAs. We worked with the Men's and Women's Center, which is now the Counseling Center. But like that was a community that I had through that organization, but also because we worked at the counseling center, we often were called at like three o'clock in the morning if they had like someone with LGBT plus issues. They would call us in to come and sit with them or sit with whoever, you know, was experiencing like, you know, their parents kicking them out or beating the shit out of them and kicking them out. So that was a really, it was just really tough emotionally. And that was one of the first kind of like group environment I had to experience like being gay or being queer. And it was just rough. It was just really rough. And I was living in Memphis. I just feel like I had a really small community there. Most of my friends were straight. I accidentally outed. (laughs) It's really not funny. It's really disrespectful. It's funny now in hindsight, like both laugh about it now. But I accidentally outed one of my friends, like sisters or like cousins or something when we're at a party one night. I didn't know she knew anybody else like at the club that we were at. So then after that, she was out. So we had long conversations about... So you like ran into her at a club? I, you didn't realize she knew, like, so you didn't do it, I mean. I didn't intentionally do it, but I went yeah. back to my friend immediately and was like, oh my God, there's this really hot girl, blah, 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 and we're hooking up and it's so great. And she's like, who? That one. Oh. <laughs> like, we're, we're all, we know her. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, it was, it's still not good. It's, it's still a. I never want to like accidentally out anybody. No, or, it's the worst. Or even just share anything about anybody that I'm like, but sometimes it, it it's had, that stuff's happened to me where I just, I have no idea. I'm yeah. just talking and I didn't realize because they didn't say like, don't tell anybody. Right. And not even just with coming out, just with like any, anything that it's like, you weren't supposed to say that. And I was like, like no I didn't know that wasn't public knowledge. Like, no how would I not know yeah. this? Or how would I know that you, you know You didn't do it friends. in a mean way. You weren't like, oh, guess what? Yeah. No, definitely not. You were just like, that. look who I'm hooking but up I with. Know I changed <laughs> her life quite a bit. And that was unintentional. And that's not, and that's not good either. But 
you know, again, really small community. And I think she was one of the only other gay people that I knew and like our connections of people. And a lot of people are heading into those really traditional, like now we're all getting married. Now we're all thinking about having kids. Now we're all buying houses, things. And I'm like, I'm not on this path at all. So it just didn't quite fit there. I don't think I found my community there. And I, I don't know. I just, I really like New Orleans. I feel like this is the best queer community that we have. It's not huge, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of different type of people that are doing different things. And I don't think anyone has, like there's a lot of like swerfs and turfs in this community. Like I really feel like we're, understanding of different genders and in people's you know travels with that i mean i think too like with new orleans what's great is that it's kind of like the hub of of this area of the country people come for southern decadence and pride and the gay easter parade they're not just new orleans queer folks they're uh actually straight and queer folks who are just cool um anybody like anybody who's cool will come we get people from all over the region like the traveling in from houston or mississippi or northern louisiana or tennessee even like Mm -hmm. you get people from all over and this is kind of like the hub of that and i feel like there's a certain respect that comes with that you're we're going to come to new orleans and we understand that this is a space that everyone's created and we're going to keep it that way i love that that's what you're saying right that's exactly (laughs) no that's exactly i mean no that i think that's that perfect i don't know about anybody else but i feel like that's not a good enough motivation to live in this community nothing is like trans community support is really strong here it's important to me that's a supportive large community too but there's not a barrier between like the lesbians and the trans people of any whatever gender anyone's identifying as i don't feel like there's this big wall where you you're not gonna hang out with the gay boys because you're not a gay boy you know whatever that means i know people can be cliquish absolutely that still occurs but Mm, um human nature but you can find large communities of good people who are just living their lives and are like cool yeah respect let me tell you how this works and what got you to new orleans like what made you had you visited here before yeah or did you just like get in a car and you're like it's six hours from memphis right well, I, I came here on vacation with my sister, actually. She flew down from Seattle. We spent like four days here. That was it. That's all I, I was like, I'm, I need to live here. And then you did. The art here is amazing. The music here is amazing. The food here is amazing. What else do you need? So I applied to law school down here. You think you'll be here forever? Yeah. I mean, until like, I, I feel like New Orleans is Atlantis, like until it's fully <laughs> underwater. I until will be you here. cannot. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll just learn to swim. It's... I mean, it's, it's not going to exist forever, so... I want to be here when it exists. Maybe it disappears during my lifetime. I'll get to say I lived here. And then we'll start a new colony somewhere else that also has a tropical environment <laughs> in the middle of Illinois, I'm sure, by that point. Look, they might solve global warming and right. Gulf Coast restoration might actually happen. And, you know, there might you not see... be any more oil spills, even though there's probably some right now. <laughs> Active, I'm yeah. sure, that are not disclosed. No, they're at the rate that everything's melting right now. It's like five times faster than they estimated. It's bad. So, like, Illinois will be, like, beachfront property soon. It'll be great. Maybe a little while longer than that, but... Yeah, no, I'm going to be here as long as it's possible for me to be here. I know that especially a lot of people that are at the stage in the career I'm at, I've been practicing for three years now, are a lot more flexible about geographic location because like a lot of people that are, you know, trying to get their careers off the ground are trying to find the best job. It doesn't matter where it is. They're going to make it work because it's the best title, a little bit, get the best experience. My job search is solely limited to here. It's going to be. I don't want to live anywhere else. And that's hard. I've lived in a couple places that I haven't liked at all. And I'm really glad that I got to choose this place. So No, it's great. You found a place that you can call home. Oh yeah. You can be weird as you fucking want to here. <laughs> that is, I think I went out, I moved down here when I was dating someone and we went out on like a Tuesday night and I was wearing like a big purple wig and like 
it wasn't weird to anyone. And I loved that so much. So like, this is what I want to do. I want to go on a Tuesday night and get a drink in a purple wig. Feel comfortable and sexy and fun with it. That's one thing I absolutely adore about New Orleans. And you know, even when you get a house that like, you can just paint it. Like I grew up in the yeah. in a suburb where your house could, my house, particularly our model of house, there was eight models. So like every eighth house was the same mm -hmm. fucking model. And my house could either be blue or peach. And that was it. A certain blue. Yeah. And we even like one time painted our front door, which was actually on the side of our house. Yeah. We painted it brown and they were like, it can only be white or like some sort of off white. And they, yeah. they were threatened to fine us. Like it was just that kind of shit. And then you come here and there's like houses that are Mardi Gras colors and have rainbows on them and beads all over and paintings on the side of them. And, and that's they're falling apart and all these things are happening. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, what? They're, they're Okay. And that's perfectly normal here because yeah. it's just like, be you. It's your, it's your house painted however you want. You almost forget how weird it is down here. <laughs> and I, I, I love coming back here whenever I travel because I'm like, oh, thank God the weirdos are still here. <laughs> but no, like there's that ad on TV where like the lady's like, you know, I can paint my house purple if I want to and she's acting like that's crazy I'm like this was not they didn't like test this for this group down here it was not a good yeah. targeted ad I went to Denver and did a, a summer of working before I was finishing school because I thought I was gonna go live in Colorado I'm like they have great tax revenue here if I work for a nonprofit, I'm sure it'll be well funded I'm sure I'll have job stability like this would be a good place for me to learn their problems first of all with the right color blue for the condo mm -hmm. association I was like this is some bullshit that I never want to fucking yeah. hear about again this is dumb I don't want to be a part of it but two yeah like their problems are what they complain about and think are problems. I'm like, we don't have infrastructure. Like, there's definitely more <laughs> shit to fix here that is more important, I think, than, you know, one piece of litter on this perfectly paved road that has, like, a garden on each side yep. of it. Like... Call 911. <laughs> I know. What's well, just going to shit? No one's cleaning it up. I'm like, yeah, I can't deal with you people. You have But it's not so problems. clean in Denver. It is very clean That's in Denver. One, when people describe a city as clean, I'm always like, I don't want to live there. You can learn everything you need to know about Denver in 30 minutes. You can live here for 30 years, not know everything about New Orleans. It's fucking no. amazing. It just keeps unfolding. Someone once said if you want to go to like every single restaurant that's currently open in New mm. Orleans, it would take you like 30 years. If you went once a day, I was like, that's... And then you have to start over because yeah. there'd be all sorts of new ones you have to go back and Oh, yeah. Get. And pop-ups. Yeah. And now we have the food trucks. And I'm like, that sounds good. I would do it. They issue more licenses for that. I know. I'd love to, someone to pay me to do that. That'd yeah. be great. <laughs> need a writing gig? Yes. Just putting it out there. <laughs> Thank you so much for sitting down with us and yeah. talking with us. I know I get to see you all the time, but it's nice. The thing about this that I love is I get to ask you questions that a normal conversation would be weird. I'd be like, so how many siblings do you grow up with? What does your dad think about religion? <laughs> like, be a test later. yeah, I yeah, know. In the having the podcast, it's like we I get to know you in a new way, and I think that's really cool. And yeah, thank you for thank you. doing this and being a part of it. Thank you. I'm really honored. I I love your podcast, and I just the wonderful people that you've had on are so amazing to learn and listen to and learn kind of like history and where you come <laughs> from and how much the world has improved. So it's nice and encouraging to hear. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to our guest, R.L. Holmes, for sharing her world with you. Special thanks to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help editing and producing the show. Thanks to all our friends and supporters. You can catch Greetings from Queer Mountain, the live queer storytelling show, in New Orleans, Austin, Oakland, New York City, and now Baton Rouge. Check out our Facebook page for more information. Send us some love on the social media. Give us some reviews on iTunes. Just say hi to us. Sometimes we feel lonely. We'd love to catch up. Thank you all so much. Thank you.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.